0: I don't know about you, but my I love Sundays. Uh, Sundays for me were the best day of the week. Um, and maybe not like what you'll think. Like I grew up in the church, but our church, uh, Sundays meant we like food crawled the whole day. I mean, in the morning, my dad would go out and probably get some donuts uh, from Shipley's in Texas, right? There we go. Um, and then we I'd go to church, and my church had decided for some reason, I don't know why, probably some youth pastor put it in there, but we had a vending machine, like a Coke vending machine. And so that means I could get a Coke at 10 a.m., and my parents couldn't say a word. Right? I'd take it to Sunday school and have my Coke during the day. And then after church, my parents uh, were always in the habit of um, going out to eat afterwards, right? It was the one day I knew we could go out to eat. And so we would invite other friends, um, and oftentimes we had kids, and we would go uh, to Taco Bell. Mm, anybody like anybody that Taco Bell life? Uh, well, here it's like taco time, um, uh, honest confession, it's not as good as Taco Bell, um, but I think that Taco Bell, like, it, it had the Holy Grail trifecta uh, for my father, right? It was cheap, it was usually empty, and you didn't have to tip anybody like right like he's like let's go right but i'm telling you the one thing that i remember so much right not that i could just eat as many bean burritos on the uh number 10 value meal right like i could eat as many burritos as i wanted to but man a lot of i, rem- I a lot of stories were told and relationships were built over those purple and teal uh and white tables with the spinny chairs like anybody, oh man, those were the best moments um, of Sunday. And then Sunday after that, right, go home. And then that would mean that like after we eat, my mom would start getting ready for, uh, for dinner that night. And oh, you know, like my mom would make all of the good food so that we would have a lot of good nourishment before school started the next week. It was often the best day of the week. And I just remembered it was always that way because it was centered around food. And, and if you know me, you know that I love food and I love coffee. and I love just being together with people over food. And that was a thing. It instilled in me deeply was this thing is that it doesn't matter— where you are or what you're eating, but it's about who you're with. And that's what we're talking about this, this, uh, morning and as a, as a church, when we're talking about this theme of we're living life together, that we're learning how to be followers of Jesus together, that the truth is that we're going to talk about this morning is the church that eats together stays together. All right, that's it. We're done. Let's go. Like, right? Let's go out and eat. But true, truthfully, the church that eats together stays together. And that was true for us. The, f- the families that we centered around with and ate with us stayed with us. And this is why I believe, as a Pine Lake Covenant Church, that we are called to be people that eat together and stay together. So if you want to join me, if you want to turn to your uh, Bibles this morning, uh, we'll be all over the place in the Bible this morning. But uh, we're going to land here in Matthew chapter 26. Uh, starting at verse 17. Um, so that's Matthew 26. We'll have it on the screen, but you can pull it up on your phone or if you have a Bible in front of you. This is Matthew um, 26, starting at verse 17. It says this, On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and he asked, Where do you want us to make preparations to eat the Passover? He replied, Go into the city to a certain man and tell him, The teacher says, My appointed time is near, and I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. And so the disciples did as Jesus had directed them and prepared the Passover. And that evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. Will you pray with me this morning? God, may your truth settle in not only on our ears— But God, that they would make way through our head into our heart. That we would be holistic people who don't just hear your word, but we allow it to indwell in us and then become living out of us. And so God, we ask that you are the one who can do that. You're the one who starts it and who completes it. So God, this morning, would you do the work that we need you to do? We ask this in your name. Amen. There was—I look at this text and— um, if you if you don't know what's going on, Jesus is um, ending his ministry, and he's told him a lot of times that he's about to be um, he's about to go to the cross, um, he's about to be uh, killed for 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 who for for what he's teaching, and he's going to be crucified for the sins of the world. But at this moment, this is a kind of a combination between Jesus, as a good Jewish man, was celebrating the Passover with his disciples, and I'm sure like if you've read the Bible, like you've seen that Jesus interacts with a lot of people, and I thought about this for a second, I was like. There are probably—if you are if you have one last thing to do, if you were Jesus, I'm sure most of us would say eating a meal with your disciples that you've spent three years with is not your choice, right? Like in that relational tension, you're like, mm-hmm, I don't want to do this, right? But also like there's a lot of people that he could go like, are there a couple more people that he could heal? right? Miraculously? Are there a couple of last-minute teachings that he could get right that would have like helped us over these next 2,000 years get right instead of like messing it up like we are right now? Like, is there something? And I just thought like, Jesus is sitting at the table while he could be doing something else, which tells me this is really important. And it's really important because eating together for Jesus, for Jesus— I don't know for us, because I can't speak for everybody. For Jesus, eating together is the practice where relationships are started and deepened. Right? Like he's sitting right now with his disciples at the end of his ministry, after three years of being together, and he's deepening this relationship by sitting together as one people who are celebrating the the, the Passover as good Jews to deepen their relationship with one another. Right? But Jesus wasn't always—he was always eating He was always eating together, but this time he's choosing to intentionally break bread with his brothers um, and his 12 disciples to eat one last time together before he's portrayed. That is really intentional. But he also did this in Matthew um, chapter 9. He he does this. Like we talked about, yes, deepening, but starting a relationship. While he was having dinner at Matthew's house—you know, Matthew was a tax collector, right? Many of his tax collector friends and sinners came to eat with him. And his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Like that, that's a great question. I love that question. And we could spend a whole, like, 10 weeks on this. Why does your p- teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. So go and learn what it means. I have desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous but to eat with sinners. It's like Jesus there is like, he's starting relationships, right? He calls Matthew, if you know the story, he calls Matthew and says, hey, take me to your house, invite your friends and feed me. Right? Like Jesus is pretty like blunt. He's like, hey, I'm coming to your house. I know it's not prepared. Right? For how many of us have Jesus been like come, hey, I want to come eat at your house. You're like Jesus, give me an hour. I got to clean. And I got to go to the grocery store. Like you give me no time. Like Jesus is like, call all your friends and we're going to go. And also, you're like, not only your tax collector friends, but your sinner friends. Like, I want them too. Right? And they're going to come. Jesus ate with sinners. He ate with his disciples. He ate with Pharisees who were there watching him. He ate with strangers. Like, and I think throughout this ministry, like, you could probably find Jesus always eating with somebody. Like, throughout his text, you find him eating with someone. That his eating together and ministering were found together, that often people found Jesus eating at someone's house on the side of a hill. And that is the moment where they were like, I met Jesus while we were eating together. Like how many of their friends of Matthew's, their story started as I went to my friend Matthew's house, who is in the same line of business, and I met Jesus there. How many of them like, I was on a side of a hill, and I met Jesus there, and we were eating together. Jesus starts relationships, and for us, it happens over a meal. Not only to start the relationships, but deepen it together. And so we're talking about this idea of eating together. And eating together is not just only about starting and deepening relationships, but Jesus does some amazing things. That eating together for Jesus was inviting people, or even himself, to offer hospitality to offer grace and love. That Jesus, and not even asking Matthew to like go and cook for me, go into Martha's house, there's an invitation to hospitality, to grace, and love that happened over the table. And one of the, uh, one of the ev- uh, events that happened, um, as well as collected in Matthew, um, in chapter 19, is there's two times in, in two chapters really close to each other, Matthew and other Gospels collect this story about Jesus feeding 4,000 and 5,000 people. And he does this. And I want you to, like, think about this. Think about the hospitality, the grace, and the love that was offered when we read this text. Jesus left there, and he went along the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up on a mountainside, and he sat down. Great crowds came to him, and bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others— And he laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the cripple made well, and the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on these people. Like it said that Jesus' heart was moved to compassion for these people. They have already been with me for three days. Can you imagine being three days with Jesus and have nothing to eat? I don't want to send them away hungry, and they may collapse on the way. And his disciples answered, Where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd as this? And Jesus' answered, love it. Always asking a question to answer a question. How many loaves of fish—how many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. And he told the crowd, all 5,000, them, sit down probably even more than 5,000 because in the habit in, 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 um, in, in their time was to only count the men, right? So think of 10,000 people, if you have women and children there as well. And he told them to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples. And they in turn to the people, they ate, they all ate and were satisfied. And afterwards, the disciples picked up seven baskets fulls. of, of broken pieces that were left over. And the number of those who ate were 4,000 men, besides women and children. I have a hard moment with this for a second as a dad, like growing up, uh, but also especially right now. And I'm looking at this from the crowd. You're three days with Jesus and you brought no snacks. Uh, alert, this is bad parenting. So if you've learned anything today, if you're going to go on a three-day trip with Jesus, bring snacks or a picnic. But think about it, three like I'm sure they didn't think about it, but they didn't bring any snacks and they are are at the feet of Jesus walking with him because they want to be in close proximity to him and they bring no snacks. And Jesus has a different discussion and reaction and reality than his disciples. And this is really true. This is discipleship 101. Did you see the disciples' reaction? Hey, where can we send these people to go get food they need? And Jesus says, what do you got? Discipleship 101 is taking your normal reaction, thought pattern, and decision and changing it and conforming it to the way that Jesus would respond and react. Discipleship 101, let me just say it again. How you would normally respond in a situation, you take a pause and you have a relationship with Jesus and you begin to transform yourself in looking more and more like Jesus, acting and saying, what he does is what you do. This is this moment. He says, instead of saying, let's go send them off, he has compassion for them. He's hospitality. Hey, sit on the ground. Get comfortable. Get in groups of like 10. Sit together. Be in relationship with one another. Even though you have no food, you're like, what are we doing? And then Jesus, he breaks it and gives it out. And they ate and were all satisfied. Like, can we just talk about this? Oh, my God. Calls me, man. I'm going to take all the time today. There's so much in this. How many of us, if we sat down in groups of 10 with like 8,000 people and thought, Jesus, that you would be maybe as farther back that you would get less? Or that maybe you're at the front and you're like me, that you're so concerned about how many people are back there that you eat just a little bit and so others can have. It didn't say some skimped and some overate. They all ate and were satisfied. That to me is not only hospitality and grace, but also love. That you don't skip on your guests. The truth is, is when we eat together, in the name of Jesus, you will leave with more than you came with. You will leave with more than you came with. Because not only are your bellies full, But they experienced a miracle that is talked about thousands of years. They sat and they were a part of this face of faith of Jesus up there with his disciples. And they see, they probably see him with a little bit. And all of a sudden they come back and the disciples are like, holy crud. What just happened? The testimony that Jesus, in his hospitality, in his grace, in his blessing of the people who didn't bring any snacks to the table, left with more than what they came. Church, for us, this is what it means to eat together. To not have the mindset that you're going to invite your friends and all of their friends and all of their friends to your house that's not ready to host any guests, and you have a fear that they're going to come, and you will not be able to provide for them. But that word in there is like they were all satisfied. It's not just in, just they consumed enough. But how many times do we like not consume enough? Have you ever been to a house where you've, you've eaten but you haven't eaten enough because maybe you didn't like the food but you went away more full than the food that you put in? That's what it looks like as a follower of Jesus. That your intimacy and conversation and relationship were so good that it didn't matter what food was there in front of you and you really liked it. You walked away knowing that you had been filled and satisfied by the consumption of st- shared stories of ironing, sharpening iron, of talking about how you see Jesus and how I see Jesus and how we've come to see what God has been doing in and of our lives and that we go away and say, dang, I don't care what we eat. I just want to be there. So church, I want you to take a look at this video. Because you might be asking yourself, how do we play this out in in real life? And this is a family from Pine Lake that has learned and decided that they want to be an act and be a disciple like Jesus and have given us a really tangible way of how to live this eating out together.
1: Okay, so uh, we started a thing called Stag Sunday. And it was just this idea that we wanted to have Uh, people over. We didn't want to plan it. We didn't want to have a big production. We just wanted people to gather around our table and share a meal.
2: Yeah, the idea, it came from a law school classmate of mine. She talked about her grandma. He said this huge wooden bowl and every Sunday she'd make this gigantic bowl of pasta. And there were no invites that went out, but everybody knew grandma Veselia, you could go to her house and you could get a meal and you'd be welcome. It didn't matter whether you're invited or not. And I, when she told me that, it stuck with me, and I always wanted to do that. And so spaghetti is easy, it's not expensive. Most people like it. And it, it doesn't really matter the food. It's the sharing a meal together that's what's significant. So we started doing it, and I think we just invited, I don't even know, a family, two families?
1: Yeah, we just kind of made it an open house, and so anyone who wanted to come could come. And so we had all walks of life. People with kids, without kids, um, people who have immigrated to the U.S. and uh, didn't have a, a, a large community yet. Um, old people, young people and everyone in between, kids were running around, basically climbing our walls.
0: It was pretty crazy. <laughs>
1: um, and yeah, it was just a safe space for people to come and um we didn't have a menu, we just we just said spaghetti will be here, and if you want to bring something to share, bring something to share, but we didn't coordinate it. We, you know, sometimes, some nights, some Sundays we'd have like a bunch of bread yeah. and nothing else, or someone would bring tacos, so we'd have spaghetti and tacos, like it was really random every Sunday, but there was always spaghetti, there was always enough for everybody, and yeah, it, it was a blast. I mean,
2: Yeah, it was just, I don't know. It's something about when you share a meal with somebody. It doesn't matter how far apart you are on every aspect of your life. When you share a meal, you immediately have a connection that's deeper than all of those things. It was fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're around a table, it crosses racial, political, spiritual, you know, religious. Barriers, And we all eat and we all love to share a meal. And so it was just a connection that was a lot deeper than how we vote or, you know, different, I don't know, uh, ideologies. Mm -hmm. It was just eating together.
2: Yeah, it was good. I I like the fact that we didn't feel like we had to moderate it. It wasn't there wasn't a set like um, subject. Like you think of some small groups like, okay, we're going to gather to talk about X and do Y or go through this book. It was just, we're gonna gather to share a meal.
1: Well, and then, so what we do to kind of signify someone's first time at Stag Sunday is we have them sign the underside of our table. So what's really fun is when we crawl under our table and look up, we can see this just amazing tapestry of different people from all different walks of life that have come and shared a meal with us, maybe once, maybe 20 times, but they all signed the underside of our table.
2: Yeah. My stepsister wrote, I can't believe I'm under your table and I haven't had any wine. But it's it <laughs> just right. I mean the idea is people sign names, people write Bible verses. It's just sort of that. I guess the overarching theme is everybody all of us are different. All of us have stories and we all have unique perspectives. But if we could all just be present just to share a meal, just that's it. We're gonna share a meal. It's amazing where that can go. If you just leave that for the starting point.
0: Let me give you, like, I'm, uh, this is the Snyder family. Um, let me, g- let me give you, uh, their secret sauce. Let me just, um, <laughs> end it for them. Their secret sauce is they love Jesus. And they get the understanding that it's not if we all believe the same thing, but that ministry can happen when disciples of Jesus choose to live like Jesus. It's super. Simple. It's not complicated. Don't think like, hey, we're going to come up here and we're going to tell you all the 10 steps that you need to do. Like, write this down. It's simple. Know Jesus and live like him. Simple. And this is what we're talking about. The rhythms of eating need to become a practice that we pattern. Like, this is the thing that I want you to hear is that In your everyday life, everybody has to eat. You will leave from this place. If I talk for five more hours, you'll be mad because you have not eaten. And you probably will not come back. (laughs) Eating is that important. Trust me, I'm there too. Like eating is so important, but a rhythm is different than a practice. Jesus ate all the time. Because he needed to be in a rhythm, but he also created and made it a practice. That last time there was disciples with the rhythm of eating for the people of Israel to come over Passover and eat together. It was the rhythm that they did every year, but it became a practice that we participate for the next 2,000 plus years. If you don't get that, you're missing something today discipleship is taking rhythms of our lives and create them intentionally as practices of which we do to create our connection with God and with one another. It's so important. I just can't say it enough. This practice, this eating together is so important that Jesus at the end, right before he's finished the meal, he's done the Lord's Supper that we have all participated in. When he said the words, break the bread, give the cup, he says this at the end. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day and when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Jesus is going to set a lot of things, but the first thing he's going to do with you and I, when in the next age come, when he calls all of his people back, is we are going to eat together. I hope this, like, I hope you sit in here and think that the rhythm of your life becomes practices of intentionality where the person of Jesus meets you and then the person of Jesus through you meets other people. Tell me a story of someone that you are in relationship with that you don't eat together and your relationship is really good. Tell me of people in your life that you, they know everything about you, but you have not shared one meal with them. Our family is convicted of this. That when we started ministry, we said that we were going to start um, just a, a, a rhythm in our lives that we call breaking bread with the Baileys. I'm so glad breaking bread and bees. They're all bees. It's so easy. Like, sweet, breaking bread with the Baileys. And it's intentional rhythm of just having people over so that we might get to know them and grow closer with them. That we be, like did this reality of that that when we eat together, we grow together. So we should be in the habit of consistently getting together with other people. And it's not just so that we can have an excuse to, like, make steak or tacos, right, or something like that. Like, that's my—like, it gives me every excuse. But it gives me the greater depth and love to go and to see people who get to experience our family in the fullness of the crazy that it is so that we might love one another, And that if those people that were eating together don't know what Jesus, they have an opportunity to rub shoulders with our intentionality of how we bless our food and pray together before, because the rhythm of eating also causes the rhythm and the practice for us of praying for our food. It's super awkward. But I had this thought. That the integrity is found, not that we offend people by not praying, like that we pray so we, we're offending people by praying, but it would be offensive if we weren't, if we didn't have the integrity and character to not pray while they were there. That the consistency that they ever saw us in Christian community would be the same consistent that they saw us at our table. And so we eat together. We invite people over to our house on a regular basis so that we can not only live into this hospitality, this grace, this love, to start relationships, to deepen relationships, but to say like every one of the people that we know that we have stories around, it is often around the food of which we eat. Some of you are included in that. That as we get to know you, you will be included in that process. That as we get to know one another, we will eat together. It is an open invitation but here's the thing. I'm just going to lay it out there as we end. I know in, in, in Christian life, when we talk about gifts, hospitality, right? Gifts of prayer, gifts of things. Like, I know that some of us often say, like, that's just not my thing. Do you eat? <laughs> then you can't tell me it's not your thing. I might not have the gift of healing that I can come to you and lay hands on you and all of a sudden cancer's gone, people are brought up a different life, but I guarantee you I have the gift of eating and then the practice of eating together. How much of this in our pursuing after Jesus Christ is this disconnected between what we know and what and how we live? My encouragement to you today, this morning, is that you might or be horrible cook. My first meal with my wife was overcooked rice and peppers and burnt sausage. And guess what? She's gotten a lot better. She's hit, she hits more home runs. <laughs> She's hitting more home runs than Aaron Judge in 2022. Come to my house. You ain't getting burnt rice. And overcooked stuff, like you're you're gonna come and be like, dang, Aaron Judge's home run looks small compared to what this is. Like we eat together because we're in the rhythm and the practice and we say this actually matters. Tell me a thing if you say I don't cook. How many of you have phones? How many of you can download Uber Eats? How many of you are going to pull a Mrs. Doubtfire when family are coming home and think you've got to prepare a good meal and you just lay it out there like, oh, dang, you, look, you did this good. And be like, I know, <laughs> Olive Garden can do some amazing things, right? Like, I don't, rhythms that become practices. I don't care if you invite somebody to your house or if you're the practice of saying, don't come to my house because I might poison you, you might die. So let's go out to eat together. For goodness sake, my family went to Taco Bell every day. I should be in the ground. Because <laughs> if any like the people that are laughing, if you're not laughing, you clearly haven't had Taco Bell or Taco Time. Uh, maybe go find out what that does to you. Seriously, church. You want to know why churches are falling apart and people are jumping from place to place? Because they don't eat together. can't. I just can't. I can't get past this. Part as followers of Jesus who have rhythms in life who don't become practices. People are like, I don't see Jesus working in my life. Who are you eating with? I don't feel like I'm connected with what God is doing or how he's calling me. Who are you eating with? Where are you allowing God to work in and through you to provide hospitality, grace, and love in places that you can't? Don't short circuit what God can do in your life by not practicing faith. Because I'm, I'm, I'm young, like, can I talk to the young people for a little bit? So it's hard when you grow older to change your ways and get old. Please do this. Eat with your friends, eat with your neighbors. Eat with your strangers. Eat with people that you later in life work with. I promise you, you will have deeper and more connected relationships than us, some of us that don't eat with other people. That means you allowing us to host your whole team. Let's pray. Father, my prayer this morning is that that the words that we have heard, the truth that comes from Your Word, would not fall to the seat next to us, but there would be that a seed would plant deep within us that we water by eating together. God, that we would take the invitation and the initiative to live like you do. And I just feel you right now, like that you've been laying on my heart all week to say it, to just challenge us. To maybe speak a word to to your people through. that we have been, God, so connected shallowly with people across the spectrum of our lives and we feel so discontent with our relationships. God, maybe that's with you. Maybe we feel so shallow and so discontented with you because we don't commune with you. We don't eat with you. We don't eat with people that know you and follow you. So God, come. Do a work in us this morning. Change the regular rhythms of our lives, God. Maybe we come out with intentional practices that look a lot like you. Not done perfectly, but done good enough. So God, come. Be in this place. We ask this in your name. Amen. Would you stand with me? As Pine Lake, we respond to God's truth. And the way that we respond to God's truth uh, here at Pine Lake is three ways. We invite you to worship with us through the singing of songs. We also invite you to pray with one another. That in the back corner by the prayer um, sign, there'll be uh, myself or Pastor Nancy uh, and someone else to pray with you. It doesn't have to be about anything that the word has said, but maybe something is laying, laying on you that you need prayer over. Or maybe something you want to celebrate and you want somebody to actually cheer for you because nobody else is cheering for you. We'll cheer for you. So go. Pray. Be lifted up. The prayer of righteous people will do amazing things. And thirdly, we in response of worship say, God, we understand that everything that you have given us is a gift. And out of obedience and love for you, not this church, we give back. We open our hands and say we fully trust you because you've already given us everything that we could ever need. So the ways that we're asking you to do that and to invest in Pine Lake and the kingdom here is to go to our website at plcc.org slash give. You can text by your phone um, by texting any amount to the number on the screen or you can drop off a check. Um, back in the offering boxes after service or even down at our office during the week. We respond in worship to the one who gives all good things. Amen.